That one dude, that one dude, that one dude, ladies and gentlemen, fellas, 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 I'm coming to you today with a Thanksgiving, very special edition of That One Dude for Thanksgiving. We're going to have two this week, double whammy. You're going back for doubles on Thanksgiving, you're going to get doubles on That One Dude for the Sunday main slate on Saturday release for week 12, and this today, right here, smacking you with it, That One Dude for the Thanksgiving slate. Okay, if if you're not watching on the YouTube channel, make sure you come over to the YouTube channel at some point, because your boy is fresh, as fresh as possible right now as I'm about to go travel tomorrow. So I had to get myself the nice cut. I had to get my barber to shape me up for Thanksgiving. The Thanksgiving cut right now. Yo, this fade is as great as it could ever be. I am on a different energy level. When you get a good haircut, you know this watching. You right there watching when you know you get a good haircut, you feel unstoppable. You feel like you're going to eat 10,000 calories and it won't even knock you at all. You're going to look good no matter what right now because you're fresh to death with the new cut. So now, not only are you going to get the good information that you normally do here, all the schmack information to win your dollar ruskies, all this stuff, right? All the stuff that we do here and we give you all the information you need to that one dude, the lower own plays are going to smash like Aaron Rodgers last week, like Ezekiel Elliott last week, like our punt play last week, Denzel Mims, over 10 fantasy points at 3.3k. We'll take all that. We'll take all that. Take all the money. Take all the money. But now you're going to get it from me on a different wavelength. Hell, these that one dude plays, I mean, we're hoping to get some leverage, right? We don't need them to be the highest scoring on the slate, but they're lower owned and they outscore some guys that are higher owned. But they might just be the highest scoring at every single position now. So we're going to try and get some lower owned dudes. And I have two punt plays for Thanksgiving. Again, we're trying to give you doubles here. We're trying to give you as much as we can in the giving mood for Thanksgiving. Two punt plays instead of one. And then a quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. And then again, those two pump plays. So six total players that I think will be lower owned than they should be on this slate. And you should take advantage of it for leverage. Now, I had a couple of people get in the comments the last couple of weeks and say, Sal, I'm putting all these guys in my lineups. Thank you so much. No, no, no. Don't do that. Don't do that. These are not guys that are going to pay off more times than not for you. The goal is to try and identify the ones that are going lower owned and leverage your lineups with them. So like last week, if you watched the video, hopefully you took advantage of it and got yourself some Ezekiel Elliott. I had four times the field of Ezekiel Elliott. A lot of people in the Patreon and the Discord had Ezekiel Elliott last week. And he probably did pretty well because he was at 5% owned in a lot of contests, sub 10% owned in almost every single contest. He goes for over 22 fantasy points, over 100 yards rushing, a touchdown. All these beautiful things. We get Zeke week back and now on a small slate, he's probably going to be as the most expensive running back with the most secure workload of 20 plus touches, probably going to be a highly owned running back this week. So he's not going to be our that one dude this week. But the point is that you leverage your lineups on that, right? Last week, if there was a highly owned running back, instead play Zeke, who has, in my opinion, just as much upside at lower ownership. So you want to pick your spots in your lineup. Doesn't mean play all six of these guys you're going to hear today, because to be honest with you, not all six of them are going to get there. They're lower owned for a reason, because their projections don't look as good as the highly owned ones. But that definitely does not mean that those range of outcomes cannot beat out the median projections of some other players. So that's the whole goal here. We'll have some information popping up on the screen throughout this video behind me, some stuff about the players, some photos, and also the median projections that I have for these players that we'll be discussing in this video. Before we get into it, hit the like and subscribe button. I appreciate that a ton. I have projections, rankings, a bunch of stuff for the Thanksgiving slate, a bunch of slate for the main slate, golf, NBA is coming up soon, all that on my Patreon, over 630 people on there right now. You can check it out, linked down below. And our first sponsor of today's video, presenting sponsor of the show, in part by Jock Market, which I have a big announcement to make. So Jock Market right now is where Daily Fantasy Sports meets the stock exchange, and they're going to be giving out some of their biggest prize pools ever, ever. It seems to be the biggest one ever, right up there with the Masters, for Thanksgiving this three-game slate, and $40,000 they expect to pay out. Again, it's Daily Fantasy Sports meets the stock exchange. So you are buying stock in these specific players this week. The market is going to be open for a good amount of the day on Thursday, so be sure to get in there 8 a.m. to noon, somewhere around there, and you're going to be able to get in and, and live trade all throughout the day on Thursday. You can also play in the Sunday slate. And big news, they've been available in Canada the last couple of weeks and months or so. As of 
this recording like an hour ago, I got word and I saw on Instagram that Jock Market is now in the Google Play Store. They're on Android, so it's not just an Apple thing. So you can check out Jock Market, buy low on these player stocks and try and sell high on them or just hold them and watch their fantasy points go up and up and up. Based on how good their fantasy point scoring is relative to other players on the slate, they're the highest scoring on the slate. You just want all the dollar ruskies basically in terms of your return on investment. That will decide how much that stock is going to increase or de- decrease depending on what their fantasy points are. So Jock Market using the promo code SAL10, that is SAL10, you will get a free $10 upon deposit. And now if you're on the Android, go ahead, download the app right now. If you're on iPhone, of course, download it as well. It takes you 30 seconds if you're on a half decent phone and you can download it for free and you get to put that promo code in to get yourself started with the 10 free dollars upon your first deposit. So let's get into this video right now. We're going to start it off at the quarterback position. Look, it's a three game slate for Thanksgiving. There's only six quarterbacks you can choose from and one or two or three of them is going to pick up ownership. And I'm not going to tell you a guy that I like if he's going to be picking up ownership. The whole point of the show is to find leverage spots and GPPs. Now, if I'm going to be honest with you, I'll preface all of this by say, just play Deshaun Watson. Just play Deshaun Watson. Just play Deshaun Watson. All these totals are dropping in some of the other games. Like the Dallas game right now with Washington has dropped like two points since the opening. So you're getting right now a pretty obviously great spot in the best spot projection wise for Deshaun Watson. I don't have to tell you that. You probably already knew that coming in. But if we're trying to give you some sort of leverage to get to, I'm going to be choosing the man in Dallas for this game. The man, the myth, the legend himself, the ginger snap kid, Andy Dalton. Now, Andy Dalton's haircuts, I mean, they can't hold the candle to what I got going on this head and rocking right now. I mean, oh my God, I feel undefeated right now. But Andy Dalton, he's been having some good haircuts right now. So that's why we're choosing. No, I'm just kidding. That's not why we're choosing Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton, we're choosing almost by default, right? Stafford's injured. You saw that last game with his weapons all being out in terms of Amendola, in terms of Galladay, Swift. And honestly, I don't think he's going to have all those guys back this week. They have not practiced as of Tuesday, none of them. So if he's lucky, maybe he gets one of those guys back, even if it's just Amendola, because he's out there throwing to Ague and Cephas and Marvin Hall, a downfield threat and Marvin Jones who can't get separation. So I don't want to go there. A guy who had no touchdowns and 178 passing yards last week. You have Alex Smith on the slate who I think lacks the upside. Yeah, sure. Maybe he goes for 300 yards. I just lack the fact that he'll actually be able to one, do that and target downfield against a Dallas secondary that has been improving the last two to three weeks. And the rest of the guys in the slate are going to pick up ownership. Ben, Lamar Jackson, and Deshaun Watson. So almost by default, it's Andy Dalton, but I still do like after running some projections and ownership, I still do like Andy Dalton more than Stafford since he's going to be picking up some ownership and more than Alex Smith just from an upside and really the weapons that he's going to be using to correlate him with. I can see some of the stuff on the screen right now if you're watching on the YouTube version, but a positive 12% pass blocking advantage versus Washington's pass rush that ranks number seven overall. This Washington pass rush was able to sack Andy Dalton six times the last time that they played. Andy Dalton got hurt in that game, ended up getting injured, but the offensive line for Dallas has been making a little bit of improvements. They did move Zach Martin, the best offensive lineman they have left, the walking wounded on that line. They moved him to right tackle, I believe, putting Connor McGovern at right guard, so you can hide him a little bit more there on the interior instead of the exterior, so it helps a little bit more, and that's what you ended up getting. Zeke running behind, got a little bit more time for Andy Dalton as well. Washington ranks fourth in coverage in terms of pro football focus grading. They play a lot of zone defense, so they don't have any standout individual players for the most part, right? Landon Collins has gotten hurt this year. No real true standouts out there. Quentin Dunbar, they lost. Uh, he went over to Seattle. So it's mainly a team unit. A lot of that is going to be focused from their pass rush. When you're getting pressure on the quarterbacks, they don't have as much time to throw downfield. You're playing in a zone. It's really hard to get beat over the top and really hard to look that bad. Now, in two full starts for Andy Dalton, he's played about two and a half games, but he left that game early with Washington, right? And really, if you count the Giants game where he came in for Dak, he's played like two half games and two full games. In those two full games, week six against Arizona, playing from behind, he throws 54 times, a touchdown, 266 yards, two picks, one was tipped, and he just had no time to throw in that game, only puts up 13 fantasy points. But to be honest, he didn't look bad in that game. Then he gets a good matchup, good defense last week against Minnesota, 203 yards, three touchdowns, only averages 6.3 yards per attempt. But look, that is a statistic and data point that is going to show efficiency, but you have to look deeper into it because he was playing with short fields. Of course, if you only have a 30-yard drive to get a touchdown, you're not going to be able to have 80 yards in that drive. It just doesn't add up. So in their 
missed fumbles, a couple in that game by Minnesota, and you're working with a short field, then yeah, your drives are not going to be as long. You're not going to have 90-yard scoring drives when you start from the 30-yard line of your opponent. So he ended up having just 6.3 yards per attempt, but 19 fantasy points because he found three touchdowns in that game. He was graded with a 73 overall PFF grade, which is good to see, and 104 rating on a 69% completion rate last week. Andy Dalton looked good by all accounts. He looked good. Wasn't fantastic. Wasn't bad by any means. He just looked good. Now on this week, they're going to have the second highest team total, and they're projected to run the most plays and be in the game in general that has the most plays run this week based on seconds per play. On average in this game, 22.2 seconds per play is what I'm personally projecting here. That is going to be three seconds per play faster than the next closest game on the slate. Now, eight deep attempts is decent from what you're seeing in the first couple of games here. And then you can see my last bullet point on YouTube. It says, basically, he's the best of the worst. Just go with Watson. I actually do think there's some merit based on the team total to be getting to Andy Dalton's stacks. I think that we're going to be talking about, we've said in some videos, maybe even in this video, some of the pass catchers that have some sneaky upside and if anything, legitimate upside and they're underpriced and going to be under owned. So there's some correlation potential there. It's just tough to get away from Watson. But let's just say Andy Dalton comes in at 10% and Watson is 50%. Well, it's a little bit easier. Does Andy Dalton beat out Watson one out of five times? The, the, the honest answer there is I don't think so. I really don't. If we're just talking about guys who get to 20, I think Watson gets there almost every single time in this matchup. He's going to be getting to 18 plus points where Andy Dalton, that's going to be pushing closer to his ceiling. So if both of these guys stay healthy. Yeah. I think if the ownership is four or five X on Watson than Andy Dalton, you still play Watson there, right? It's not always just fading the highly owned guy. It's looking for leverage pieces and the leverage is based off of projections, ceilings, and floors in your overall lineups ownership, which we can reduce from stacking. So the point here is on these higher slates, we actually have some legitimate like Aaron Rodgers last week. Like we found some guys like Kirk Cousins a couple of weeks back when he had his monster game, started off with three picks and then had a monster performance after that. These guys give us good leverage, but also good ceilings. On this slate where the slim pickings in terms of the lower owned guys, you're choosing between a Hurt Stafford, Alex Smith, and Andy Dalton. You don't have to go here, right? You can get different in other positions. You can leave money on the table. You can correlate your lineups with five guys in a game or team stack. That's what I'm probably going to be doing. So although Andy Dalton is that one dude, and I do like him when I'm building my lineups to try and get different if I do this and don't just go like 100% of Deshaun Watson, maybe maybe I'll just stop there, 100% Deshaun Watson or 100% of Lamar, Ben, and, and Deshaun Watson. If I don't do that, then I would be choosing Andy Dalton out of the rest of the guys. Let's now move over to that running back position. So getting into the running back position. Now the running backs on this slate are going to be interesting, right? We're still waiting as of my recording of this, at least to see what happens with DeAndre Swift. And maybe that opens up on Johnson and Adrian Peterson. Just big shrug emoji there. I think they'll both see like 10 carries on the ground. Yes, I think on Johnson sees more passing game usage. So a big shrug emoji, whichever guy gets a touchdown there. I don't really have interest in any of those guys. We could expect DeAndre Swift to pick up ownership of Vizan. We could expect Zeke to pick up ownership. I do think that some of these guys in the mid range will pick up ownership, whether it is Antonio Gibson coming off of some really good games, but a lot of casual people who are going to be playing on this slate because it's Thanksgiving and a lot of people that don't normally play will be playing might not even know who Antonio Gibson is or who JD McKissick is, right? So they may gravitate towards some names that they do know, like Ezekiel Elliott, like Adrian Peterson to an extent. Gus Edwards has now opened up and so is Justice Hill on the bottom end. I don't think that Gus Edwards will be involved in the passing game, but he's going to project out for double digit fantasy points at $4,000. You don't need it on this slate like I talked about. So ownership will be there. So a direct leverage off of him is his pass catching running back in his backfield, who was pretty good in college ahead of Chris Carson, and that is Justice Hill. But these are not my that one dudes. A lot of them will be picking up ownership, but the guy that I don't think will be picking up all that much ownership and the narrative on him this past month of the season is that he just flat out stinks now. And although I'm not going to be backing this guy as an elite running back in the league, I'm going to be saying that at least for fantasy in this week, it's $6,200. James Connors are that one dude this week. And I like him a lot. Look, the narrative is that he's not been good and that he's been getting vultured and he's not the goal line back or the red zone back in this team. Just stop those narratives. You saw Benny Snell running a one yard touchdown after James Connor got them down there in a couple of carries, right? He has 15 red zone touches in the last five games, James Connor. He's fifth in the NFL with seven goal line carries from the 
one yard line. That's fifth in the NFL. So you want to tell me that he doesn't have this usage on this team, right? The recent usage and the overall season usage, both in the red zone and on the goal line. So stop listening to those fantasy analysts out there that are just telling you that James Conner is not involved in this offense. James Conner in the last two games has run his most routes run in a two game span in the past two and a half years since his rookie season when Le'Veon Bell was out there. 31 routes run two weeks ago and 26 routes run last week. So if you want to tell me that this guy is not involved in the offense when he's having literally top five usage in the goal line, top 10 usage in the red zone this year, he's been breaking tackles and evading tackles at a top 10 clip. And he's also running the most routes he's ever ran in his career in a two game span, basically. Okay. Yeah. You're you're listening to the wrong guys. Come here. Come to the guy who's got the sharp haircut, not to the 40 year old man, wherever you're watching or listening, that's got the raggedy ass haircut, right? And the stressed out hair, whatever it might be. Come to the guy that's got the sharp fade. That's what we're here for, right? We're here to give you the good information and the nice views on the haircut. But in all seriousness, I do like him at this point right now, excluding the bad game script that you got in week nine. And I know you can't just throw that out there, but we're going to just throw that out there, right? It's Thanksgiving. Who gives a shit? We're going to forget about that one. But honestly, they got down big to Dallas and they just stopped running the ball. Like most teams do when they get down big to another team, they start throwing the ball a little bit more. If you take out that game since week two, we can't count week one. He got hurt week one. He only played in 20% of the snaps, 24% in week one. So if you do look back all the way to week two, taking out that Dallas game, he's averaging 19.3 touches per game, 19.3 touches per game. But this guy's not getting any usage on the season, right? 17.7 opportunities per game. Even if you count the game that he got hurt, even if you count the game where it was bad game script against Dallas. Now, Baltimore is a terrible run defense. Oh, sound. No, they're not. Ray Lewis is so good. And Terrell Sutton. Ray Lewis and Terrell Suggs, yeah, back then they were a pretty good run defense, right? Those are pretty good linebackers. Those are pretty good defensive linemen that they had on that team. But that's not going to be the case anymore, right? That's not the case at, anymore at all. Baltimore is a bad run defense. They rank 27th in tackling and 21st in run defense. They've allowed 120 or more rushing yards in five out of the last six games, including last week, Derrick Henry himself went for over a buck 30 on them. And the week before that, the New England Patriots ran for 190 plus yards with guys like Damian Harris and Cam Newton to an extent and Rex Burkett and James White. All those guys put up a buck 90 plus on them. It's going to be a positive 3% run blocking advantage in this matchup for James Conner and the Pittsburgh offensive line. I like it. He faced his team already before. He wasn't great, but he got usage. 18 touches, three receptions, 60 yards and a touchdown. He scored 15 fantasy points, which is around where I haven't projected median with the obvious upside of 20 plus in this game. And by the way, people are talking about James Conner these last couple of weeks. You would think that he's seeing like six touches a game. He's still controlling the backfield touches by a wide margin. He's seen 15 plus opportunities in back-to-back weeks with 16 last week for 99 total yards. He just got vultured on the one yard line. If James Conner stays in for that one yard carry and it's not Benny Snell and he ends up scoring the touchdown last week, James Conner's ownership is probably double this week. So just keep that in mind. James Conner's ownership and his price is probably 400 more dollars or 500. And his ownership is probably doubled this week. If he's going to come in at 20%, it'd probably be like 35 to 40% to be honest with you. If the recent game logs, instead of showing like 11 fantasy points or 10 fantasy points showed 16.9 fantasy points, he would be probably double the ownership. So based on that one inch or that one carry, he doesn't get on the one inch line when he comes out for a breather. If that's going to keep his ownership down, he is our that one dude this week for James Conner. As you can see on the screen right now, as I put it up here, you can see what I have him currently projected at. I basically have him as the third highest projected player on the slate at the running back position. And he's going to be second highest if DeAndre Swift is out. And based on his price point, that will make sense. But everybody's going to gravitate towards the guys below him. I don't have anything against the guys below him. I also think they're all pretty good plays. But if he's going to come in with not that much ownership and fingers crossed the seven or 8,000 of you to 10,000 that watch this don't skew the ownership too much for us in some of our main contests and smaller slate single entries and three maxes, well then yeah, we're going to be getting there. And if you want to see where all my other projections, rankings, ownership, all that type of stuff, you can check it out on Patreon, patreon.com backslash Sal underscore Betri underscore to see that exact thing you just saw in way more for every single player and way more expanded details for every single player from a data standpoint and also analysis standpoint. So with that all being said, let's now get into the wide receiver position, which I think that when we're going to factor in the ownership and fingers crossed again, that this guy's ownership does not rise over the next day to day and a half. When we factor in the ownership, even if you count ownership, even if this guy was highly owned, I'd still like him a good amount based on the price point and usage. But when we factor in the actual ownership on this player, if it's going to be coming in as not one of the top five owned wide receivers in the slate, which based on the fact that there's a lot of good stealers in the slate, Terry McLaurin's on the slate, you have some 
some really nice Houston price tags on Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks. And then just where all the ownership disperses after that to different positions, I don't think we're going to have that much ownership on this Dallas Cowboys wide receiver. Can you guess which one it is? Is it Michael Gallup? Is it Amari Cooper? Is it CeeDee Lamb? I think all those guys are definitely in play this week. I do with Andy Dalton looking decent in that last game. I'm going to be chucking the ball with a nice team total, but I'm going to be going with the man, the myth, the legend himself. Somebody who has burned faces on Thanksgiving before in many of Island Slates, and that man's name is Amari Cooper. I like Amari Cooper a lot this week. He's way too cheap. Look, Amari Cooper's usage has been fantastic. And we know that he, honestly, if you look at his skill and his talent, he could be a $7,400 wide receiver on this slate. And I wouldn't blink. I would say, ah, you know what? He, he hasn't been 25 points, 30 points recently, like McLaurin scoring 20 every week. So maybe $7,400 is a lot, right? But you know, I know he's Amari Cooper. He's fantastic. He's going to have a good matchup. Yeah, that's fine. He's $5,700 this week, right? You can tell me that he was the most expensive wide receiver on the slate. And I would say, yeah, recent form is not showing that too much. But on the season, in general, his skill set, yep, he should be up there. Let me show you what he's done in the three games with Andy Dalton so far this year. In week six, seven catches, 79 yards, and a touchdown, 10 overall targets. That's 20.9 fantasy points. Pretty damn good. In week seven, Andy Dalton, again, remember, he gets hurt with a quarter to go in this game. Seven catches on seven targets, 80 yards, and 15 and a half fantasy points. Again, Andy Dalton left early. So there was an upside for him to hit the 100 yard bonus in that game. And then last week in week 11, Andy Dalton comes back, keeps looking Amari's way. Six catches, 81 yards, no touchdowns on seven targets, scores 14.1 fantasy points. So what that has you at is Amari Cooper averaging 16.8 fantasy points. And we get it. It's a very small sample with Andy Dalton in three games, but 16.8 fantasy points. And I have him projecting out pretty damn close to that, right? If not better than that, depending on what you're going to be looking at from a ceiling perspective. So yeah, I like Amari Cooper a lot. He has a positive 11% matchup against Ronald Darby. And maybe he'll see some Kyle Fuller who we saw last time and had a good game against again, the 15 and a half fantasy points when Dalton left early when they faced Washington in week seven. Fuller allows one yard per cover snap and Amari Cooper is fine. Good route runner. Did fine against him last time. Amari has a 17 pound advantage on Darby right now. He'll have a 12 pound advantage on Fuller. Sal, who cares about the weight? That stuff matters, especially when you're getting closer to the red zone and need just some sort of release off the line of scrimmage. When you have 17 pounds, probably of muscle on another cornerback, it's going to be a lot easier to get some sort of separation, a lot easier to be physical after the catch. Amari is averaging nine targets per game. That's number eight in the NFL. He's number six in routes run so far this season and he's running 39.2 per game and even with Andy Dalton and some of these bad quarterbacks before Andy Dalton in there the last three games he still run 30 plus routes in all three of those games now he's number 14 in the NFL with yards after the catch he's just a physical receiver who gets good release off the line of scrimmage and with these undersized cornerbacks going up against him I think it's going to be even better for him to get even more yards after the catch Dallas runs the second most passing place per game so expect some upside here and yet again I think that this is a talent of a $7,000 plus wide receiver that you're getting for below $6,000 I'm hoping the ownership stays off of him due to all the other high-end wide receivers that you can get to. And a lot of people may be spending up at wide receiver and spending up at running back and paying down at tight end and paying down at quarterback and maybe punting Gus Edwards. It's going to leave this void spot in the mid-range of wide receiver where Amari Cooper is just waiting to crush the slate. That's our that one due to the wide receiver position. Mr. Amari Cooper, as you can see, his projection and all that stuff was just up on the screen. Value, super draft, all that type of stuff. Now, we have a brand new sponsor for the show. Before we get into the tight end and our two punt plays, be sure to stay tuned for that. We have a brand new sponsor on this show. They just got back to me today on this and I'm very excited. My bookie. And here's what my bookie, a word from our sponsor, has to say. Thanksgiving is about traditions like to Dunkin' with mashed potatoes. Yum, yum, yum. And betting on football with my bookie's Turkey Day free play. Free sounds pretty good. Free dollar whiskeys, fellas. My bookie's third annual Turkey Day free play returns Thanksgiving. It's your chance to bet up to $250 whiskeys on the early Thanksgiving game. The Turkey Day free play is a no risk, all gravy wager on the full game spread. Pick the right team and you win. Pretty simple. If your team is upset, your bet up to $250 is refunded before the next afternoon game. New players will get their first deposit matched halfway up to $1,000 to help add even more excitement to the greatest football weekend of the year. No doubt about that. That's right. Make your first deposit and get extra cash can you can use on parlays, teasers, 
Cruz and props all weekend long. Use the promo code SAL10, that is SAL10, in order to claim your bonus and your free bet. And the best part is, it's only the beginning. My bookie has promotions all holiday weekend. Turkey Day free plays Thanksgiving Thursday that rolls into Black Friday boosted odds and finishes the holiday strong with buy one, get one free Cyber Monday football. That's why my, my bookie, they call football season winning season. Check it out now. No risk, all gravy, baby. Don't forget to use the promo code SAL10, that is SAL10, to claim your freebies. Shout out my bookie, the new sponsor on the program. Go get those dollar rooskies. Take advantage of a lot of nice offers. It seems like they're doing this weekend in the betting markets, which we have a video for in the betting markets as well. So you can check that video out. It came out Tuesday afternoon. I pick a side in every single, I have bets on every single spread and every single over under six bets for the Turkey day for the three games. So now let's finish this up with our tight ends and our two punt plays of the day, the tight end position right now that I want to get to. I'm going to have a punt at wide receiver and a punt at tight end as well. So I guess we'll be talking about two tight ends, but to start with my, that one dude at the tight end position. Look, I think Mark Andrews picks up ownership. He's been good the last two weeks. He's a name that a lot of people know. He's kind of in this category of coming into the year, the elite tight ends kind of falling out of that right now. Darren Waller has surpassed him without a doubt. You have TJ Hawkinson who continues to score touchdowns and he's going to be keeping himself up there with some types of ownership. A lot of guys will be picking up ownership on this slate. And I think it'll be kind of dispersed in the mid range at tight end. Mark Andrews should take up a lot of it. And my guy that I'm going to be looking at is a guy I've been playing for like three or four straight weeks. And every single week, I'm happy with the results that I've been getting because he keeps scoring touchdowns. He keeps seeing targets. He keeps running an insane amount of routes. Third most over the last month of the season. His name for the Pittsburgh Steelers in the night game, night hammer game as well, Eric Ebron. You can see all the stats on the screen right now. Ebron has seen six plus targets in three straight games in five or more targets in five straight games. He has a 15% target share so far this year. That is 5.6 targets per game. Now it's a tougher spot versus Chuck Clark, who allows just 0.56 yards per cover. For those of you that are not familiar, anything below one yard per cover allowed as a linebacker in coverage against tight ends, as a cornerback or safety in coverage against wide receivers and running backs, anything below one is really good. This guy's at 0.56. That is borderline elite status. But Ebron did get the best of him when they faced each other earlier this season, having four passes caught on five targets for 48 yards and a touchdown. He finished as the tight end three in fantasy that week with 14.8 points, and he has a touchdown in three of his last four games. Now, Ebron's 11 red zone targets this year is eighth amongst tight ends. His six deep targets of 20 plus yards downfield is fifth amongst tight ends, and he's running 30 routes per game, which ranks eighth overall. And again, he's top three in the NFL in routes run for tight ends after running 40 plus routes last week over the last month of the season. Number seven in tight end air yards as well. So you're getting those downfield targets that are being converted right now with Big Ben. Ben loves him. Ben's looking at him all downfield in between the 20s and the red zone when he gets there. His usage is elite right now. Yes, elite over the last month of the season. Go get yourself some lower owned Eric Ebron. And if I just pull up my projection on Eric Ebron, you can see that, well, you can't see all the other projections. You can sign up for Patreon down below if you want to see all the other projections and ownership. But Eric Ebron's ownership is, is going to be mild, mild to maybe even low, depending on what happens over this next day of information and data coming in to jump up ownership, depending on the content that talks about him. But you'll have Dalton Schultz getting a little bit. You'll have Logan Thomas picking up his. You'll have Mark Andrews getting a good amount and, and TJ Hawkinson. So it'll be average ownership for a guy that I honestly might have my highest exposure to Eric Ebron in this matchup against Baltimore. So I do like it. You can see the projection right there hovering around double digit fantasy points. I like that a lot for Eric Ebron at just $4,100. And now we get to the part of the show, the punts. And what is a punt, Sal? Well, it's a spot where you're just looking for a really cheap option that can open up some salary for you. And no, I'm not going to say Gus Edwards here and his chalky ownership that's going to be coming in, his likely highly owned ownership relative to his price range. We'll be talking about a wide receiver and a tight end, and they just so happen to be from the same team, a team that we have not yet talked about already on the slate. Oh, is it the Baltimore Ravens, Sal? We haven't talked about them. Nope, it's not. 
Okay, well, is it the Washington Redskins? We haven't talked about them. Nope, it's not. It is going to be the Houston Texans. And the wide receiver I'll be talking about, who I think will pick up some ownership, but it won't be anything massive due to the fact that so many high-priced wide receivers and punting at running back, I think is where people will go with J.D. McKissick, with one of the Lions backs, if indeed you see Swift out or Gus Edwards and Justice Hill. So the cheaper to mid-range wide receivers, like I mentioned with Amari, I think will just all naturally be somewhat lower owned outside of probably Brandon Cooks. Now, Kiki Kute is the man I'm talking about. He stepped in for Randall Cobb, who left in the first quarter after scoring a touchdown on three routes in their week 11 victory over the New England Patriots. And Randall Cobb is likely, if he is not yet already by the time you're watching this, going to go on IR. And he still has also got hurt in that game, and he is questionable for this week. If Kenny Stills is in, maybe this ruins Kiki Kute a little bit, but I think Kiki Kute is still just the primary slot receiver, even if Stills is in there. Stills is being paid a lot of money, so they may just say, we got to get this guy in the field. But also at the same time, they never play him anyways. They use him as a wide receiver four and a backup. So Kiki Kute here, assuming that he starts, he played 54% of the snaps and ran 25 routes last week, majority out of the slot. He saw four targets, three of them were red zone targets two catches, 10 yards, and a touchdown in that game. Ended up seeing basically double digits right around nine fantasy points. Now, if he indeed does start in the slot, he'll face Justin Coleman, who has been a really bad slot cornerback for the past year and a half for the Detroit Lions. He's allowing 1.1 yards per cover and a 74% catch rate. 74% of the targets thrown his way are caught by the opposing wide receiver. That is not good at all. Justin Coleman plays 85% of his snaps out of the slot this year. Now, Kiki Kute was drafted in 2018 by the Houston Texans out of Texas Tech, and in his first ever game, he was hurt for the first couple of games of that season, and I believe either Hopkins or Fuller was then out in his first ever game. He ended up posting 11 receptions, 109 yards on 15 targets with that said quarterback that he still has in Deshaun Watson. Now he's not the greatest of athletes. And according to player profile, he does not have that great of a speed score or his overall burst is not that good, but he's cheap. He's $3,400. So Sunday was only his second career touchdown ever, but this is what we're hoping for. We're hoping that he gets to start there. He plays somewhere around 60% of the snaps and he sees five or six targets on his high catch rate against a cornerback that's allowing a high catch rate, shorter target length. So it's easier to, to convert those passes. If you're getting four catches for 40 yards and then the upside of course of a touchdown that's not that bad at the price point and then allows you to do anything else you want with your salary i don't think you need to punt on this slate like i've mentioned there's not that much expensive players so it's just easier to build some nice lineups with expensive to mid-range options but if you are looking to punt the wide receiver position kiki kute does stand out and i'll also throw another name in the hat danny amandola if he is indeed healthy nobody's going to own him this week but he has been getting a lot of usage especially if galladay does miss he could be a sneaky option as well now our final punt play on the day is going to be the tight end from this same team the houston texans like i teased earlier and that is going to be jordan Akins. So Jordan Atkins, Akins, whatever you want to call him, his first three weeks of the season before he got hurt, he was being used in fantastic fashion. He was a top 10 tight end, believe it or not, those first couple of weeks. Week one, he plays 83% of the snaps, runs 32 routes, as you can see on the screen, and scores 11.9 fantasy points. Anything over 10 fantasy points this day for a tight end is fantastic. You're probably a top five tight end that week. In week two, he doubles down. He goes for 87% of the snaps, an increase. 33 routes, an increase, and 12.5 fantasy points, an increase. Week three, 71% of the snaps. 26 routes, only 4.8 fantasy points, but still the primary tight end, and that was a very difficult matchup against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, he returned from his injury in week nine and he seemed to be limited. And then in week 10, he also seemed to be limited. But then in week 11, we finally saw that early season usage. In week 11, he ran 21 routes. He caught five of six targets for 83 yards and his season high 13.3 fantasy points. And he should have also had a 40 yard touchdown in this game. He could have smashed the slate. He could have been highly owned this week if he actually did this. So lucky for us, he won't be because he ended up tripping. The defender tripped and then he tripped over the tripping defender. Otherwise, it would have been a blown coverage for a 40 yard touchdown. So he's a cheap tight end that has a similar chance to get in the end zone as honestly any other tight end on the slate if he's going to run 20 to 25 routes and see three to five targets in this game. His 10.6 yards per target is number four amongst tight ends and his catch rate of 85% is second amongst all tight ends. He's getting the number one target accuracy his way amongst all tight ends. So what that means is that Deshaun Watson, when he's targeting him, is very accurate. Short passes, you might be saying, but that's not the case. 10.5 average yards per target or 10.6 means that this is not that short of passage. So Deshaun Watson just has a very good connection with Aikens right now and his number 10 yards per route run is a great indicator of success. These are all fantastic 
stochastic stats to see for Aikens. All we had to see was his usage increase. And that is exactly what happened last week when he ran 20 plus routes and saw those six targets. Jordan Aikens is going to be our punt play, our second punt play behind Kiki Kute and our punt tight end play. If you were to stack one up this week with your quarterback to just try and get one in there. So that's it, gang. Those are our four position players, our two punt plays on the week. Thank you so much for tuning in to our That One Dude video. We will have a tomorrow showdown video going up. Check out all the other videos on this channel. We have two other videos, a betting video and a main slate breakdown for the Thursday slate. Every single position will go through. Friday, you'll have our final thoughts on the week 12 slate for Sunday. Saturday, that one, dude. I will not be streaming on Sunday because I will be traveling back home from the holiday. First time in two years. I'm very sad that I'm not going to be doing that, but you have all the other content. So be sure to sign up for Patreon. So Sunday morning, you can get access to the Patreon Closing Thoughts podcast, where I discuss in-depth strategy of how to win the slate, how to leverage the slate to set yourself up the best to beat your opponents. You can find that down below, patreon.com backslash Sal underscore Betri underscore to check it all out. Like and subscribe before you go, everybody. I appreciate you a ton in advance. Again, the next piece of content from me will be tomorrow morning, Thursday morning, depending on when you're watching this. It'll be a showdown video dropping at 10 a.m. East Coast time for the Thursday night football game on Thanksgiving between the division matchup of the Pittsburgh Steelers and Baltimore Ravens. Enjoy that piece of content. Thank you, everybody, and I will see you in the next one.